Here's Neymar now, Cavani is there. And Saint-Etienne has surely won it in the 89th minute. Calou for Cavano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Tobac. Kylian Mbappé wraps it up. Bonjour et bienvenue. Welcome along to our latest interview here at Le Bourgeois. We're delighted to bring you an exclusive chat with United States international Alejandro Bedoya, who spent three seasons in France playing for FC Nantes before moving back to the States, where he currently plays in the MLS for Philadelphia Union. Now, Alejandro was a big crowd favourite during his time at La Bourgeois. He scored 11 goals in 87 appearances between 2013 and 2016, and still to this day, he is Ligue 1's highest scoring American. The former Rangers midfielder tells Robbie Thompson what it was like to fly the American flag in France, reveals how his hard-nosed coach Michel Dezakarian managed to injure himself in the dressing room and speaks candidly about his memories of the tragically departed Emiliano Sala. Don't forget, all of our content is available on the usual podcast platforms. Please do rate us on Spotify, Deezer, Apple or wherever it is that you're listening to us from. And now sit back and enjoy Robbie Thompson's interview with Alejandro Bedoya. When you came to France, what did you find? Because you'd come from, well, from America and Scotland and then probably a, a more Anglo-y environment, at least in terms of Sweden, to then arrive in France with a new language and new culture. And how did you, how did you find all that move? Yeah, yeah. Even though Sweden, you know, they speak Swedish there, I would say that everybody speaks very, like, perfect English out there. So I was very impressed with that aspect. I was able to pick up Swedish. But yeah, coming to France, you know, at the time when I came to France, you, you started to see um, teams really pushing for, you know, um, uh, to increase kind of their 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 club uh, on, on face value, I guess, uh, you know, amongst the world's best teams. Um, the Monacos and the PSGs were really putting a lot of money into their clubs, buying a lot of the big players from big clubs. Um, so it was an interesting time to, to be a part of the, the League One. Um, Liga. Uh, <laughs> uh, and for me, I had to go back to Sweden. I decided to go back to Sweden, even though there was other options from from Rangers, uh, just because I knew I, I was comfortable there. I, I could, you know, get playing again and, and take the next step. And I felt for me, League One was not the situation. You know, there's always times I think all the players look at, you know, whenever new teams are interested in them, what club uh, in which league is going to best suit, you know, kind of their attributes or if they can see something happening there or, you know, some not guaranteed and nothing's guaranteed in terms of playing time, but that there's a level of confidence from the staff and from the, you know, the executives that, you know, you, you can really come in and make a difference. And I felt that. So it was very welcoming from the beginning from that end. Um, and yeah, Nantes is a traditional club with a lot of history. And, you know, I like that as well. And seeing when I went to Rangers, one of the reasons why I was just seeing, you know, highlights and seeing the fan and the, the, um, the atmosphere <laughs> of the stadium. And that was similar to Nantes. You watch videos of their their fan base and stuff, and it was awesome. So, Nantes had just come up from the second division at that time, but as you say, they were a, they were a famous club. Did you know that much about them before you, before you arrived? The fact that they'd won seven or eight league untitles, that they'd had one of the greatest teams in history, one of the greatest coaches in France in the in the mid nineties. Did you know all that before you got there, or it's something you learned? No, I think I knew I knew a little bit, very little though. Um, and then it took more to, you know, when I was, I was first uh, got uh, word of their interest, it was just log on and, and find out more, search things and watch YouTube uh, stuff and videos. And, and that's where I became to know 
their real history and how much, you know, uh, how impressive they were, like in the 90s and stuff. And, you know, I grew up watching Marseille and all that stuff when I was younger. So, but even before then, they were Nantes, the, the club, you know, in France. And then you see all the top, top players um, that came through the academy and youth system and stuff. And even to this day, you know, their youth system is providing a lot of uh, talent. Uh, it's impressive. You, you arrived at a, at a time when they brought in new players as well. We are just talking about all the, all, the, all the players that were there. There were three Venezuelans as well, who, who I think Chichero had been there or Sichero had been there the season before. Aristigueta as well, perhaps. But Vizcarando arrived as well how did you how did you find all these these foreign players all mixing and all settling in at this non-side yeah well it, uh, you know i think when you come into a new club i think with the foreigners you always end up kind of sticking together almost at first right because uh, you know um you have the french players who you know are french and they're from france and um they know the league in and out and um, you know, I, I feel like French people are more introverted, so they kind of stick to themselves at first. So you're immediately drawn to the foreigners. And for me, obviously, right away, uh, I was sat in that corner where the Spanish guys were, you know, the Venezuelan guys, like you just mentioned. And then we had, I had Filip Djordjevic next to me, who was mm-hmm. uh, Serbian. But obviously, he spoke very good English, and that's who I clicked with right away. Um, so, yeah, I found them, you know, you had a guy like Oswaldo coming in at the same time I was. And he was a guy who was a captain of his national team with experience playing on the international level. You had Djordjevic as well playing on the international level. Aristigueta had kind of been there through League Two to lead and helped them get up to League One, same with Cicero. So they kind of helped us with the transition period, you know, um, the in and out. So that was very helpful. The, how uh, I, I read a quote about you, an early interview when you'd arrived in, in Nantes that said you like to... You can play a, a, a free attacking role on the left, on the right. And the word freedom came into your play of how you like to express yourself. And I thought, that's something that the French don't, uh, <laughs> don't really go for that much. They play a very structured football. And Michel Duzakarian as well is a, a very experienced French-style coach as well. How did you tactically and, and in terms of your football, was it a shock arriving in France at a different type of football? No, not really. I think uh, I think I do in terms of freedom of, of my style of play. I, I think I'm just uh, I'm very capable of playing really anywhere on, on the field, just because I feel like tactically I'm very tactically aware and, and very well in that aspect. Um, I think I learned a lot in Sweden. In Sweden was when I first went to at least my first coach there, Sixten Bostrom uh, at Örebro. We would watch film like an hour and a half, and this was something I had never never done in my career ever in college no, I mean I was just better than the, the, my opponent the, the other team in front of us you know so just go out there and do your thing <laughs> um, we really wouldn't watch film or you know kind of uh, study it and go through all this stuff so going to France you know I was already I learned a lot from my time in Sweden and um, you know they kind of let me know that they they saw me more as primarily a right-sided player mm-hmm. um, but they, they were well aware that I was comfortable anywhere alongside in midfield. Um, and, you know, Desarcan, he was very uh, kind of just 4 4 2 kind of guy or 4 4 1 1, you know, um, yeah. and very structured. So I, I like that. I kind of like that. But it was funny because my first game that I started in was against PSG, and he trotted out this 3 5 2 initially, um, <laughs> my first start. And I was the right, like, wing back. 
So that was something that I hadn't really played before, but yeah, sure, I can handle it. But we actually ended up switching formation mid-game, like I think 20 minutes in maybe. It went to like a 4-3-3. And that's where I actually had a really good game that first game where, you know, where I, I kind of announced myself in, in, into the French League. Like, yeah, okay, I can play. <laughs> I can I can handle I'm, I'm I'm up there with the one of the best teams in the world, obviously, in our league uh, in France. And, you know, I was hanging with them, creating chances, you know, up and down and playing both sides of the ball kind of as a number eight. So, you know, that, I kind of showed everybody that, you know, I was more than capable of, of playing numerous positions and, and I can, you know. Well, it's something we spoke to Carlos about last, last week as well. This idea that you, you, you come from a country where everyone knows the NBA, the baseball, the NFL, and you're coming as a, as a footballer. Do you feel you have to prove something every time? Like there you say, you, you showed that you could play football, that you could create chances that, as an American, was there a, a skepticism, not necessarily a skepticism, but from that you felt you always need to prove something when you're, when you're on a football pitch in Europe or that you're flying the American flag to a certain extent? I think both. I think throughout my whole career, I've always had to prove myself and prove to others, you know. Uh, even, you know, here in the system, the way it was back then, it's still similar, you know, with college coaches recruiting players. I have tons of emails still, like where I was trying, you know, applying to certain schools that I wanted to go to. And, you know, I was too small. I was uh, not fast enough for the position where I was wanting to play, um, you know, and not strong enough. You know, there's all these ridiculous things. And it was always about like, all right, here I am. I'm playing against you now and I'll show you what I got <laughs> or what I can do. So that, that's always been instilled in me, you know, my work ethic and stuff like that. So, yeah, that was part of it in France. And like I said, French people are more introverted. Um, that was kind of how the locker room was. Like I said, we had, I was more kind with the foreign guys, the international players, and the other side of the locker room was all the French guys and knew each other and spoke a lot, French a lot more fluently. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't until like my first goal away at, at Ajaccio um, uh, where all of a sudden a couple guys that I, weren't speaking English to me at all started opening up and speaking English to me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, you did know how to speak English. You're just being really shy, or, you know, you know, introverted, whatever it is. I was like, that's fine. But, yeah, I always, everywhere I went, every club, you know, it's it's always about proving yourself. And I'm fine with that. I think that's the way it should be, you know. Mm. Uh, it should be merit-based and not just because uh, um, somebody paid a certain amount for you or, you know, you're making so and so much money, you know. If, if you're showing every day, week in and week out, that you deserve to be in the starting lineup, then that's that's what it's like. And you know, training sessions are always going to be like that. You know, you never want a young guy coming in, and I'm like that now as a veteran. Yeah. <laughs> like you're, you're coming in, you better prove yourself, or you're trying to get by me, or you're trying to nutmeg me. The ball might go by me, but hey, I'm making sure you're not going. You know, like it's, it's that competitive nature. I've always had that in me. So yeah, and then there's that aspect of carrying the American flag, right? Because I think there is still that stereotypical kind of trend. Mm. Americans aren't, you know, known for soccer, so to speak, or the best technical players or this and that. So you really have to go out there and, and prove that. And, and, you know, I was represented America, you know, I feel like the only kind of American player at that time when I was playing there. So yeah, I'm exactly. going to put on for my country, you know, I think you, you, I've read the statistics. You were the first American to play for Nantes. You're also the highest scoring American in the history of, of Ligue 1. What was your relationship like with Michel de Zakarian? as a as one on one because I, I the way I see him, he's he seems a very genuine man, a straight talker. I see his stuff on television is he he's open to talking to journalists and and showing 
what he's trying to do. How is he for for a, when he's the coach of of you as a player? Yeah, I think there's it's it's always interesting because there's always so many different ways of of managing and uh, of coaching and of being. And he's comes from an Eastern European background, you know. And I think yeah. always these types of coaches, they're more these types of people in general. They're more of a straight shooters, you know, and more blunt, and they just like to say it how it is, right? And I, I think I'm like that too. I'm a very passionate guy. Michelle was a very passionate, fiery guy too. So of course there were instances where we'd get into it, or you know, I'd be pissed off at something, and you know, I'd maybe say something, and he'd say something back, and you say something, but then right after you just it's it, it's over, right? And then you're like, hey, hey, and you have laugh about it. So I, I kind of appreciate. It. I like that. Uh, at times, maybe yeah, it was it too crazy, and maybe some people maybe not can't handle that way of uh, of being. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah, it gets under their skin, or you know, it's uh, not. I don't want to say that they're not mentally tough enough for it, but it's uh, sometimes it, it can be it can be tough to deal with, no doubt. But he, he was old I, school. I he was a little bit old school, yeah, and I yeah. totally appreciate that. But but you know, within the locker room, but then outside, he's a very genuine, soft yeah. kind of guy, you know, <laughs> and somebody who you can hold the proper conversation with and laugh and, and things like that. So uh, I like that. The the results weren't outstanding in your three years at Nantes. I think it was around thirteenth, fourteenth, mid table, a mid table side. Was I was looking at at all the statistics second season. First season, you scored, I think, 40 goals or something in, in the season. But after that, it was less than a goal a game. Was that the hardest problem for, for this nonce side to have that, that main striker, that player? Because Djordjevic left as well after, I think, your first season there. Then second season, it was hard to find a, a striker. Emiliano Sala arrived for your third season. How, was that the problem, finding goals? Or was there something else? Or how do you explain that just... 14th place and not eighth or not fifth or not trying to get it. Yeah. I think, I think a couple of the seasons though, I can remember like up until December break, you know, the, the, the new year break or whatever you want to call it. Uh, there was a couple of seasons, I think my first two years where we were, we were up there, you know, like mm-hmm. kind of yeah. top, top six or something. Uh, and then, you know, it's just over the course of a long season, you know, then, you know, that's when the budget really comes into play because it tests your depth um and things like that and obviously Philip Georgievich who's my, one of my close friends when we were first got there he he was a big part of our offense you know because he was a guy that would get on the end of things can find the ball find space and do things by himself as well and the rest of the time there we, we just didn't have that clinical striker so to speak you know yeah um so a lot of our, our a lot of our play you know like you said just playing the structured tactical tactical kind of team you know being in good shape not try to concede too many goals but I mean it doesn't help if you can only concede one goal, but can't score two, you know, can't even get one zero results. So, um, yeah. Is there a sense of frustration in that? Is that, is it frustrating, especially for someone like you, who's originally an attacking player, who's playing on a sort of right midfield role, but can, can give more going forward? Yeah. Sometimes it can be frustrating, right? Because, you know, I'm not a goal scorer. I've never been a goal scorer in my mm-hmm. career. And I, I can add some goals, you know, and, and tally some of them, but, uh, um, I think the key for any team that is always fighting at the top is to have a, a, a top, top goal scorer that is scoring, you know, you know, uh, in double digits. And we quite never really had that after Georgievich left. Yeah. Um, so, you know, to expect goals to come from our midfield plays, it, it's, it's not easy. Um, so, um, yeah, I think that made it very tough. And 
uh, some, you know, to get a good striker, sometimes you got to spend money. Right. And, you know, I think that's why maybe the fan bases are, not uh, the fans weren't always happy with the Kita, <laughs> but, um, it is what it is. I mean, that's probably, that's an issue everywhere, but I think, yeah. like I said, I think I can remember, you know, we were, we were fighting for, for good stuff yeah. in the beginning of the, the seasons and normally we'd be up there at the top. Uh, and then we just fall off, you know. That that third season, you played with Emiliano Sala. We all know what happened after and the the huge tragedy that uh, that befell him during that tra- that transfer to Cardiff. How what was your relationship with him like? He was a very quiet man as well. But the fact that you spoke Spanish together was that something that was that brought you guys together? Yeah, yeah. He sat right next to me in the locker room in the dressing room. So uh, obviously. Uh, we still had the Venezuelan contingent and it was him, then it was me. Um, and so um, it was, uh, it was tough when I first heard that news, obviously mm-hmm. he, he was, he was a quiet guy. He stuck to himself, you know, but in training sessions, we'd always, you know, we'd always be together. We'd always do finishing drills together, like crossing and finishing and uh, always competitions amongst each other like that. And, you know, he's from Argentina, always had his mate with him. So he'd share the mate <laughs> with myself and you know the other guys. Um, so yeah, it was just, I mean, I just get goosebumps thinking about it, right. You know, he was living his dream and on his way to the premiership and, you know, it's just, ah, it's just, just so tragic. Yeah, absolutely. You spoke earlier about Nantes history and about the fact that they had great young players and always had this tradition of bringing through young players. Your time there, I think we saw players like Leo Dubois, who was who you just mentioned, who was captain of the side. There's Valentin Rangier was coming through at that time as well. Maybe Abdoulaye Touré had come from just nearby or something, but was not. Jordan Veretout. Uh, yeah, Jordan Veretout as well, who who's he's still in Italy. Yeah, he's at Roma. Uh, yeah, at Roma. That's right. After Fiorentina, so quality players. You saw these kids coming through. What is it that that is so special about these French kids that can that just seemed to roll off the production line? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know because, you know, I think we're, we're still working on that here in the States. <laughs> but I think, um, you know, technically, you know, um, guys like uh, Jordan and, and Valentin, Ranger, they were, they, were, they were quality, you know. They were just, um, they had no fear in them too. Always willing to, to get on the ball, always wanting the ball. Um, and didn't mind it if they, they lost it or not. You know, another guy we didn't name was Amin, Amin Harit, who's oh, yeah. also yeah. at Schalke. Yeah. Um, so he's he's probably the most technically gifted yeah. in terms of yeah, football. With the team. Um, but Jordan was obviously, he was uh, he was very good with my time there. And at times it was me and him battling kind of for that number 10 spot, you know, yeah. the, or the withdrawn, the, the false number nine, false striker. Um, so, but to play with him was, was nice. You know, he, he had a good... Uh, he had a good vision for the game. Uh, you know, he, his way to passes was very good, you know, trying to play balls in between the lines and uh, through balls and stuff. Uh, Leo Dubois, you know, after when I was there, I guess I didn't really see his his rise, how mm-hmm. quickly he made that jump to Lyon uh, when I was there. But he must have made a, a big jump after I left. But he was always a guy that, you know, I, from my standpoint, while I, while I was there, he, he still needed to work kind of on – um, his crossing ability and you know in that final third that thing that's something that we I remember we worked on so much while I was there at Nantes um, and he's obviously gotten a lot better uh, t- 
um, playing for the French national team and stuff. So it's great to see that. And Ranger Valentin, he's uh, now at Marseille, and I watched some of his games there. And he's a guy that I still keep in touch. You know, when I was there, there, we, there was guys that still were playing like Call of Duty. And Valentin <laughs> Ranger, on top of being such a good footballer, he was like freaking amazing at like winning games. Like he was just like on the Call of Duty, he was ridiculous. But um, yeah, I think. I don't know what it is. Nantes in general, all over France. So you see these academies, mm. Lyon, you know, playing all the youth players, a lot of youth coming through there, Marseille and stuff. But at Nantes, um, just great coaching, you know. The, the, the school that they have there is great for the guys as well. Uh, and there's, at the, with the first team, there's always a bunch of young guys that, they, you know, that would come in and mix with us and, and train with us. And I think that's a big, big deal when you have these youth kids um, getting the chance to be in a professional environment to train with the first team to get that kind of experience when they're 15 16 years yeah. old and make you know helps them to develop a lot quicker what what did alejandro bedoya learn in three years in france as a as a footballer you said you mentioned that you learned a lot when you first arrived in in sweden in your in your time there how did what did you learn and how did you change between sort of i think what 26 29 years of age when you were there yeah yeah no i just i learned a lot you know the kind of, I guess, the technical part of the game in terms of movements and, and um, even when you're set up and tactically, but just there was more, uh, we, we did a lot of like shadow work. So a lot of movements like with the ball, but without opponents, just just movements, you know, how to move, you know, off each other and stuff. That was something that they really took the time to do uh, and address everybody, you know, like when the ball, is, when, you know, the right center back has the ball, the movements from you know the number eights and the number sixes and the you know and the number nines and tens and when they this ball gets played here, you know how you move. It's like a chess you know game, and that was something that I never had at the previous clubs. We never really did that much work like that. Um, so it could be very boring sometimes, <laughs> but I think from that point, I think uh, it was very nice to, to also get that and just like basics tech technical stuff that they would practice with the youth from all the way from the the, the smallest the youngest of the youth uh, teams to our first thing, you know, just basic ball work technique, you know, yeah. that stuff, you know, you can never stop working on the simple things. Your, your French is, is still very good. I, I do a lot of translation work and I still can't quite work out automatism. How do you, how do you, how do you, yes, there you go. that's exactly, that word was said so much, <laughs> so often. And that's exactly what it was about. And that's what I, that's yeah. what, that's exactly the word that I learned about one of my French. I mean, yeah, exactly. Okay. Let's go some quick fire questions. I know you've scored, you, you mentioned your first goal against Ajaxio. You also scored a, a very important goal, I think, in a win over Marseille as well. In that, was that in that first season? That was in that first as, season yeah. as well. Yeah. I was at the Parc des Princes when you scored a screamer against PSG. Yeah, oh, yeah nice. absolutely. I still wear the, the, the club colors a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was a stunning goal. Just talk to, tell us a, a little bit about that goal because I assume that was your best goal in, in France for the stage as well and everything that it, that it represented. Yeah, for sure. That was, that was, that meant a lot. I think initially, I think we, we kind of were brave at that game, you know, kind of mm, finally yeah. pressing and trying to uh, high press a bit, you know, and, and not let them be so comfortable knocking passes around balls. So, yeah, that was a long – we forced them into a long ball, and our center back stepped up to Zlatan, uh, won the ball. Uh, I think it was Gilo Boji, yeah, Gilo Boji. And then, you know, Verratti didn't want to get involved with Gilo Boji. So then <laughs> he was able to dribble, lost the ball. It just popped out to me. And that's one of those balls that initially, I think, another day, I think a lot of guys would have probably just hit that first time um, the way it was coming to them. 
but I, I just thought it uh, one more second and took a touch and just just hit it. I couldn't have hit it any better, no. <laughs> really. And ended up, you know, up, almost upper ninety top bins, as you say it over there. I guess <laughs> in the UK, Australia, and um, yeah, that was a very memorable goal. Uh, and obviously, P against PSG, you know, a world class team. I'm sure the American fans love like that. And um, did it get a bit of news back in America? Did people? I think it did. I think yeah, it, yeah a goal like that is yeah. always going to you know, be be impressive. And, so that was good, and uh, but unfortunately, Slatan, you know, scored twice against us. Exactly. Even though a, I don't know if you remember that game, we did, we were we should have been up two zero, and and they yes. called back a Gilabogi goal on a header, which was uh, a yeah. ridiculous goal. It was nothing. <clears throat> yeah, I do remember exactly. There were, but there were. The, I mean, that happens in in so many games. Those <laughs> those decisions. I remember another not game. I think it it was, was you would have been there as well when you were up. 2-1, did Bamu, Yassin Bamu score a, a headed goal and you were in front, I think? Maybe it finished 2-2 or 3-2 to Paris, but you had a, an excellent first half. Yeah, well yeah, I think that was PSG. another one of those games. Yeah, one of the yeah. home games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, There were some games, you know, those are games that I think sometimes I, they're not easy, not easy to play, I won't say that, but, you know, you get up for them a lot easier because you are yeah. playing with the best. It's like you have nothing to lose, so the pressure kind of maybe gets lined up a bit and just go for it. But yeah, we had some good battles. I think there was a cup game to a semifinal in a cup game. One of the yeah. league, uh, I don't know if it was Coupe de France or Coupe de la Ligue, where I was at home, and it was also a good, good game. Okay, so best match, best memory of of playing in your in your three years in France. Best match. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Marseille, I think one of the best match I remember that was fun to be a part of was a, a game against Marseille at home. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what year it was, but I think we won like two zero, maybe. Um, just the energy, the pace of the game, it was so intense and stuff. And it was, uh, it was, the atmosphere was amazing, electric. It was prime time game. Um, so that was a good memory. And uh, I thought I had a good game as well. And then I would remember a Bordeaux, I don't know if a cup game, where we won 4-3 in extra time. I had, I had initially started on the bench. We, you know, we rested some guys, I think. So we rotated and I came in, I think, I think in extra time I came in. Um, it was like two, two at that point. And then it became like three, two, we were up when I came in and then they tied it, I think again. And then I off a corner kick, I think it was off a corner kick. It was off a cross or something. I, I found the back post and it just came to me and I headed it in and we won four, three at the last minute, like, you know, to advance d- dream situation, dream story. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. And uh, and Bordeaux is a good derby match as well. Not at least you were at a, a club like Nantes where you had these rivalries. From like yeah, Bordeaux yeah. was a big rivalry. You had Rennes, you had Marseille traditionally against the big clubs as well. I was talking about Michel de Zacan. I'll tell you a funny story about <laughs> Bordeaux. Uh, we were up two zero at home against them, and then in the last final three four minutes, I guess like 89th minute and like 93rd minute, you know, something like that. Bordeaux tied it two two. Oh my gosh, he completely <laughs> lost in the dressing room, you know, throwing everything, going crazy. And then he kicks the garbage can. And whatever was, there was a rod in the garbage. So he kicked it so hard that this rod, it was, he didn't see it, obviously. He ended up hitting the rod that just poked through the, the garbage bag, cut a hole in his leg. It was just bleeding. 
this thing got infected. He ended up at the hospital for like a month. We had, we had to go, um, Bruno, the assistant coach became our coach for like two weeks. Who was your best, your best mate at Nantes over those three years? My best mate, I would say it was a mix of the, of the Venezuelans, you know, Oswaldo, Fernando, Oswaldo, we scored on those guy. We still keep in touch with, you know, we just had we vacation together this past summer, um, this past winter break, actually. Uh, our wives are uh, very close. Olivier Vainu, like I said, he spoke really uh, good English. Yeah. And his wife was also very friendly with our wife. And they, they were just amazing people. So they were the, they were like the first actual French uh, like citizens <laughs> that really welcomed us into their home, into their family, you know, invited us out and to take part of, you know, uh, assimilate into the whole culture. And then Lucas Doe, you know, Lucas was a guy that, for our love of the NBA, you know, yeah. I played fantasy with him and his friends and his group of friends, you know. And, you know, that kind of helped me kind of learn French and pick it up. It's Texan and French and stuff like <laughs> that. Uh, but he was really good at English as well. Just, you know, and, and I would love the NBA basketball. So, yeah, and then Georgievic in the beginning, the first year, we always were hang, hanging out and stuff. So What about the best, the best player you, you played against where you thought, okay, hats off today, though you were a Yeah, I, I think during my time, I, I really liked watching Mota, Tiago Mota play. Yeah. Uh, I thought he did so much for PSG, just playing simple and keeping the ball and uh, just keeping it. You know, there's not much, there's not so much flashiness out of him, but he just made the team run, you know, made it going, um, getting on the ball and just passing it and moving off of it. But, you know, then, I mean, uh, you can go through so many players uh, through both teams, uh, the, the PSG, Monaco, you know, um, Fekir, I was impressed with, you know, mm-hmm. Leon. Um God, there's so many players when you think about it. Like, so it sounds like you're still in contact with a lot of your your former teammates from from Nantes. Who's one that you're you're not in contact with, or you lost track of that you think he was he was a good guy? I should I should get back in contact with him. Yeah, I think the obvious answer maybe is Emiliano Sala, right? I think yeah, I wish yeah. somebody that we still had here that we could you know keep in touch with, and you know I could have loved to reach out with him and say congrats on that goal you scored for Cardiff, or he could have helped them stay up. You know, all, all these things, right? Yeah think he could have had one last conversation with him but yeah so i guess that would be my choice yeah okay well it's a nice uh, a nice way to end perhaps thank you alejandro <laughs> yeah, yeah thank you for having me <laughs>